Yo, what's up? It's your girl, DJ Narc. What's going on? Are you falling apart yet? <laughs> it's fucking Leo season, right? Sagittarians are like, fuck everything. This bitch would rather do a pod than put our video out. Listen. <laughs> you are wrong. Because I did the video. It's the extended. It's staring me in the face. <sighs> First of all, please drink something. Secondly, please, if you've got it, please smoke it. As we venture into the world of Venus retrograde and what it means. Let's talk today about codependency. What's that, Umber? Well, that's that thing you do. When your parents don't give a fuck about you and just see you as an extension of themselves and think you are a little minion that has been sent to make their life easier. Minions have no say. They have no feelings. They have no needs except the very basic they are there only to be healthy and aware and smart enough to help you do whatever you need to do. And that's about it. So when you raise someone like that, uh, they don't really know what they need, what they like, what they want, what they expect. They only know how to take whomever you put in front of them and break down what that person needs, learn how to anticipate that person's needs, then mold themselves into whatever those needs may be, and therefore become perhaps someone who could be loved, perhaps someone who will not be rejected, perhaps someone who will be in some way accounted for because it was the only way to survive if you don't anticipate this parent's needs if you don't anticipate their moods if you don't anticipate the meanness that is sure to come at moments that make no fucking sense to you you will get really fucking hurt so you become adept you learn to become a master of reading emotions, to anticipating needs, to damage control and spinning moods. Because your survival, your emotional survival depends on it. And then you become an adult. And there isn't some magic wand that somebody waves and says, okay, now you're an adult. This doesn't matter anymore. You don't live with your parents anymore, so you don't have to act like this anymore. You could just go be normal now. Nope. No coming-of-age ritual that says, hey, let's deal with however you've been living until now because please don't treat people the way your parents raised you to treat them. 
And since that never happens, you go out into the world and you think you are an excellent partner. Look at you. You can read people. You can anticipate needs. You can make yourself indispensable. And all that time, you are being fucking codependent. Because what happened to your needs? Do you have any? Have you ever had any? Yes, my basic need. My basic need not to be ignored and therefore not survive in the wild. Yeah, I know. Aside from that one of not being abandoned. (laughs) Do you have any other needs? Aside from the very basic that it takes to keep you alive. Have you ever really thought? Have you ever wanted more? Have you ever considered that there could be more? Have you ever considered? Have you ever considered? That maybe there could be more to a relationship, to a friendship, to a work relationship, to a lover than just what you could do for them? How you could help them, how you could become indispensable to them. Have you ever thought past just wanting to be loved? Is the yearning, the desire, the hunger, the deep, deep fear of never actually being loved. Listen, this is something you have to consider, okay? And this is the mood that I'm in. You know what I realize? You know what I realize? There are so many people in my life that know that I wasn't loved as a kid. And so they know that it's an easy way in. They can read it a mile away. (laughs) So you know what they do? To get close to me? It's easy. They just tell me they love me. And the more I think about it, and the more I live it, The more it hurts. Because what a wound to pick at, my God. So many things that you can do to a person. Why hit them where it hurts so bad? I can understand wanting to use a person. But do you have to make them think that you love them first? That's the part that troubles me today. 
not the fact that I'm grappling with the reality that I don't think that 99% of the people who say they love me actually love me. I don't think they do. But that's not the part I'm working with. Smoke it if you got it. I'm smoking. I'm dealing with the fact that they need you they need to convince you and themselves of it so bad. For some reason, the people that are attracted to me, it's not enough for them to take It's really important to come back later and say, hey, you know that thing I took? Sorry, I love you. And you know what I think it is? I think it's like the arc. I think it's arc energy. <laughs> you know how they would take the arc to different places? Listen, I'm not, this is not like some grandiose God complex. Please, no. Rewind. It's a metaphor. You know how they would take arc, the arc places and the people would like break out in boils and then they would come back and be like, take this fucking thing. We don't know what it is, but it's making all our people fucking sick. And they would take it back behind like the six foot thick temple walls and be like, okay, <laughs> why do you think we keep it here? I think... That when you betray me, when you hurt me, when you hurt anybody, when you betray anybody, when you are inconsiderate with someone who loves you deeply, regardless of your relationship to them, (coughs) it can be hard. It can be hard to know how to navigate that relationship if you've never been loved deeply by somebody, it can be hard to know how to treat that person, right? I encounter that a lot in my life. I encounter, I've met a lot of people in my life who do not know what it feels like to be loved deeply. And so when I love you, which is how I love, I love very deeply, um, it can feel weird. It can feel like you don't know what to do, like you don't know how to receive it, like you don't know how to process it, like you don't know. It just feels maybe like too much, you know? So people's reactions to being loved deeply can vary. There's always some element of relief, like, thank God, this is what it feels like. Wow, this feels amazing. But there's also like a fear, like... How do I handle this? How do I navigate this? Everything else in my life up until now has like made me believe that this thing isn't true. People don't love like this unconditionally. What the fuck is this? So it can be hard to know how to behave around it. You know what I mean? And it's also a little bit stressful because, and I don't know if anyone ever says this, but there is this fear of losing it. Like you're holding this very precious, fragile thing. And that's the thing about unconditional love is that in, in, in a way it is very fragile because unconditional love by its nature is I'm going to love you regardless of what you do, but I do get to choose the distance at which I love you. 
There is not a single person in my life. Well, no, there's like three that I've met that I don't still wholeheartedly love. But the distance between them and us, most of them, most of the people I love, the distance is vast because I've chosen that. Right? So there's my agency. And that's how unconditional love is. The closeness of unconditional love is fragile. Because if somebody loves unconditionally, that means they have an enormous capacity for love. And they also have an enormous capacity for love for themselves. So this is where you have to get really careful with people who love unconditionally. Because the way they love you is also the way they love themselves. So if you hurt them, now all of a sudden they're like, okay, I give you grace but I've also got to give myself grace and I'm not giving you grace at the expense of what I am owed. See, as long as I'm owed nothing and I'm out here just in these streets fucking living, if you need grace, I got all of it in the world to give you. But if I also need it, then I got to pull back on this like just open faucet that I'm giving you. I need to reserve some of this for myself now. And as soon as that happens, that means I'm taking distance from you. I still unconditionally love you. But now we have, we have something has happened between us that's hurt me. So now I have to take my space and love you from a distance because now I also have to love myself. And I've got to figure out how this happened. Why it happened why it shouldn't happen again. And that's what this Venus retrograde is about. Every part of you is thinking back. Why does it keep happening like this? (coughs) Excuse me. Drink something. When do the barracudas stop? When does the love line stop squiggling? Why has the friendship arena been so bloody? Why has... touch becomes such an issue. There's so many things going on right now that Venus retrograde is bringing up. Where does your agency and your ambition begin and end? And how far do those things protrude into those around you? And how much of that are you comfortable with? It's all about all kinds of relationships now. Everything is getting pushed back on you. What are you like in your relationships? And why do your relationships follow a certain pattern? I'll tell you for myself. I think it's impossible or it was impossible for me to understand why I have gotten the reaction I've gotten since I started the channel. 
I think it was impossible for me to understand that reaction because I've built my character, my personality, my life on like ignoring the obvious. <laughs> I was talking to my sister-in-law, a Libra, about this. And I was like, you know, I just kind of like, it happens a lot now. Like I'll go outside and someone will be like, yo, Umber, it's you. And I'm like, hey. Um, and I'm like, you know, I knew, like I've just found, even when I was on TV, like back in the day doing that Indian show, like, I've just always found that the best way to deal with any sort of notoriety is just to ignore it and, like, act like it's not happening and just, like, go about your fucking normal life. Um, it seems to be the only thing that, like, truly keeps you grounded and, like, not let the asshole shit get to you. You know what I mean? Like, like if you let that shit in even a little bit, it fucking gets you. You know what I mean? It's, it's fucking gross. You know what I mean? People get all slick and slippery and it's fucking gross. So because that's like even from back then when I was on that Indian show like that's like kind of how I've like molded my personality is just like ignore the obvious which is really disarming you know I'm just gonna talk to you and act like we're both not aware of like how hot I am or how smart I am or like we're about both not aware that you wake up every morning and watch me on Saturdays or like now that you watch my videos like we're both my personality is built around making you completely at ease here we go with the codependency making you completely at ease with whatever you think is going on with me it's not do you know what i mean like we're just gonna ignore it it's not real because it isn't real because it isn't real it's just like concentrated attention it's not fucking real it's concentrated energy so in that way it's real but if we're not addressing it it's not fucking real we're just like people here right so one of the so the best thing about that is that you stay really grounded the people you grew up with the people you love your family everybody still still feels connected to you everybody still feels like they know you you don't change and it's great it's great i mean you evolve right but you're always evolving i've always evolved so they know that about me so that's very much like in character for me that tracks but you don't change in the fundamental ways character-wise and everyone appreciates it and you, they can see that you're grounded, it's not getting to you and it makes them comfortable and it kind of makes for like a smooth transition into this kind of life, right? So one of the, that's the best thing about it is that everyone is quite comfortable and you retain a level of grounding and realistic thinking that's really important to not stick out and be a dick everywhere you go and just be pleasant, right? And not be this like needly abrasive energy everywhere you go because you're so fucking out of touch. The drawback of this, and there's so many benefits, but if there is a drawback, the one drawback of this is you don't get to see the real scope of what you are and your value because you've built your personality on playing it like subtle, the subtle play, right? And there is a case to be made, and I'm one for this argument, that there's no need to see it in all its, you know, <laughs> it's a very apt conversation for Leo season. There's no need to see it, you know, in all its glory with all its different facets and all its amazingness. There's no need to really see it that way. 
Um, and I have been of that camp for a very long time. Like it's there and Allah gave it to me and it's wonderful and I'm very grateful and I don't need to really understand the full scope of this. <clears throat> Excuse me, drink something. But and however, when you do that, right, <laughs> you miss the big neon sign above your head that everybody else can see. Because you are thinking that if you pretend it's not on, that it's invisible to everybody else. Actually, when you pretend it's not on is when it's the most visible. Right? So I've spent most of my life thinking that people liked me because of who I am. (laughs) And my dad, being like the wise, mashallah, realistic man that he is, has always said, I love you and you're beautiful and you're nice and you're funny and you can also be a pain in the ass. And you need to know that the way that people are attracted to you is not because they like you and it's not because they love you. It's because they want something from you. And he said it like that when I was younger and then as I got older, he of course elaborated because he's not one for riddles And basically what he said was you don't realize that the people that flock to you are not admirers, they're not lovers, they're not supporters, they're takers. And the reason they come is because you have this indescribable, unhideable bounty, this abundance about you. And it's very obvious, said the Jupiter and sun in the 12th house. It is the riches beyond compare, right? It's the riches deep, deep, deep under the earth. (laughs) It's the riches nobody else has access to. It's the richness of spirit that pulls forth the material abundance. And when you can't see how wide your own eyes are and how open your own hands are, so many people can get so close and their knives are so sharp. It's the needles you got to watch out for. The knives are still pretty up front, you know. I want something, give it to me. Stab, stab, stab. The needles go in slow. It's all the I love yous.
You can't really tell what's happening. And what I've noticed lately is every person, while I was just sitting around minding my business, (laughs) just doing what the fuck I'd be doing, just fucking around, every single person that just picked up their face and decided to like, fuck me over, lie to me, set me up, go behind my back. Abandon me. (laughs) Talk about me. Every single one of those people I helped them out. And the only thing they have to say to me is how much they love me. I've been told by people who have let me down over the past three months, I have been told so many times how loved I am by people who took that unconditional love and just dropped it and watched it shatter and just looked at me like, Yeah, so what? You're such a people pleaser and you're such a fixer. You'll fix it. My dad always says, they know you're soft-hearted. They know you'll forgive them. And not a single one of them should be forgiven. (laughs) But they know you'll do it. And I told him, I said, no. I'm not going to. I know we're only a few days in. But you know what this retrograde has already taught me? Respectfully. I don't care what you want or what you need. I don't want anything anymore. (laughs) I don't have the capacity. I need time to figure out that when I'm not trying to fit into some insane person's mold for the name of romance or into some opportunistic snake's mold in the name of friendship. I need to figure out who the fuck I am when I'm not doing those things. I need to figure out what the fuck I actually fucking want from a person in my life outside of just adjusting to whatever idiosyncrasies and bizarrity, if that that's not a word I know, that they come in with. Like, I, I, I can't do the codependent adjusting anymore. I don't want to. 
this is what my parents told me love was and I say no. <laughs> and I think I started with my friendships like a couple of months ago where I was just like, yeah, I don't like how you're being. I need to take space. And I've done it with a lot of people. And so whenever someone like takes it personally, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, are you mad? At no, no, you are one of many people that I have told that I am hurt and I need a little time. And that's the best part about unconditional love. I still love you. No big deal. Relax. Do your thing. I just need to move away from you a little bit. And that brings us back to the I love yous. The I love yous are the are the doggy door in my uh, fortress of solitude. My impenetrable fortress of solitude. There's just a fucking open doggy door. If you tell me you love me, I'll probably let you in. And not until very recently, when a slew of people hurt me all at the same time, like a month ago, did I realize as the weeks went by and the apology, like I've come to my senses, my conscience is bothering me, text started to come in. They all had one thing in common. I love you so much. And I realized, whoa, they're getting in the doggy door. That, that's it. That's my blind spot. If you tell me you love me, I, I need it so bad. Yo, I fucking started crying at the nail salon yesterday. You want to talk about Venus retrograde? I went into the fucking nail salon because I had a fucking date and I wanted to get my nails done. But I have my I'm getting my nails done the day before I leave for Jamaica. So now I'm like, what the fuck do I do? Because my nails look like shit. I can't go on this fucking date with my nails looking like this. So I, I, so I was just like, I know you're closing in 10 minutes, but could you just take this polish off? Like, that's it. That's it. I'll do the rest in a couple of days. But like... So I go in there. She was really nice. She was like, of course, no problem. I sit down. She's doing her thing. I'm coughing. You know, I smoked a joint on the way there. <sighs> She's like, she just stops all of a sudden, takes off her gloves, goes over and gets me water gets me a little bit. She says, drink it. I walk away with it. She goes, no, drink it. I said, I'll drink it. She said, no, drink it so I can give you more. I said, no, it's okay. She's like, no, it's not okay. Drink it so I can give you more. I was like, no, really, it's okay. And I sat down with the water. And the way she looked at me. It was like she knew. That, like, no one had ever been, like, kind to me when I was a kid. It's like she knew. Like, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle her being nice to me like that. I was just like, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And she was like, I could see it in her eyes. And the rest of the time that I was in there, she treated me so differently. <laughs> um, 
and it got to me and I think I got like teary eyed and she looked at me and she totally knew she totally knew what the fuck was going on and I was thinking what the fuck is this retrograde doing like I am crying in the fucking nail salon like this can't be happening this is so cliche and yet yes it was happening The deep yearning to be loved and the doggy door that it creates is very, very, very dangerous to a Vedic Rohini son who has all and everything to give. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. But the thing that I'm noticing and realizing is that it was never about all that stuff. I think it's just the drug of attention. I'm sorry I did what I did. Please stop. Please don't stop paying attention to me. Find a way to get over it. Put it somewhere in the back where you put everything else. Right now, I need you to be there for me. Because I love you. (laughs) I need you to be here for me and accept this apology because I love you, okay? So I need you to take whatever I did and however much I hurt you and I need you to get over that shit. Because you're hurting me. Because I love you. Be okay. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of being a kid. My mom is like that. You have to be okay. You're not allowed to not be okay. You have to be okay. You can't be upset. You can't be in a bad mood. You can't be disappointed. You can't be worried. You can't be... Anything, you have to be okay. And I am now surrounded by people who in one way or another want me to smile and be okay while they stab me in the back, lie to my face, Be okay. This is your... You have to be okay because you have to be here to be codependent for me. You have to be okay all the time because you're here to provide for my needs, my emotional needs, my physical needs. You're here for me. Of course you need to be okay. What do you mean you don't feel good? You're a slave to my authority. 
Because what are you going to do and where are you going to go if you don't? You're just a kid. In some way, emotionally, I think I've had my falling down moment. I can't bring myself to move the dresser from in front of the doggy door now that I realize that it's there. I don't care anymore. I feel like Connor from succession. I don't need anybody to love me. It's like a superpower. And then what? Smoke it if you got it, huh? Yeah. Why not? What happens? After you're in Rosemary's apartment and you realize that there is a door behind the dresser. What happens? When you realize the thing around your neck is full of satanic spices and that you are carrying a monstrous baby called codependency and people-pleasing. What happens when you try to run away and everywhere you turn are people telling you how much they love you? And as they stick these sweet long needles right through you. Sorry I wasn't there. You're just so, uh, you're just too hard to love, Umber. Your life's too crazy. Too hard to love, you're too loud. Too hard to love, you know Umber, she just be doing crazy shit. Oh, something else happened? Oh, some shit happened in Turkey? Oh, well, you know Umber. I bet she was doing some crazy shit. Like just sitting in the room, doing nothing, looking at the door. I'm sure it's nothing to worry about. Just some guys that were going to put us on a boat to fucking Syria or some shit and sell us for parts. No big deal. God forbid. Oh, you know, Umber. Just on her bullshit. I said, this happened. He said, oh, well, you know what happened with me? This and this and this. Okay. 
<laughs> oh, the heartbreak. The heartbreak that you expect when you break your own heart. That that heartbreak is superior. That heartbreak where you realize that every heartbreak you've ever had was just your own fault because you were just being whoever that person needed you to be instead of being yourself. That heartbreak where you realize that maybe it's not even a bad thing that none of those things worked out because who even were you? In those relationships. <laughs> Who is that? And maybe that's the light at the end of this particularly dark tunnel. Maybe on the other end of this is someone who makes sandwiches or doesn't. Someone who will give a guy money or won't. Someone who can overlook their gut instinct or can't. You don't know. But the promise is that when you stop catering to everybody else, your own wants and needs will emerge naturally. And you can observe them. And you can be joyous. And you can begin to get some clear picture of who you really are. What you're made of. What steps up to the plate when things go wrong. I was staying at the Langham recently in Pasadena and um, a few of us were on the balcony just hanging out. A bunch of us had already left and a few of us were still left hanging out on the balcony and all of a sudden there was a strange man in the room behaving strangely, listening at the bathroom door actually. <clears throat> and I said to them, I said, hey, guys, because I could see him from the balcony. He couldn't see me, but I could see him. I said, hey, guys, don't freak out. But there's a man in our room. And someone actually said, why are you being so calm? And it's the same thing that happened when the fire happened in my kitchen. I called my little brother. I was like, hey, uh, my apartment's on fire. And he was like, why do you sound so calm? And I was like, well, how should I sound? <laughs> this is already going very badly. Me freaking out right now is the worst thing that could happen. It was the same thing. It was like me screaming right now would be the worst thing. 
And so we were able to like open the door and ask him what he was doing there. Turns out he didn't even work there. Yeah, scary. So that happened. Yeah. I'm not sure where I was going with that story, but we'll leave that there. Things are getting crazy, crazy energy. As we look deeper into what this retrograde pulls out of us, one of the things that you'll find to be perhaps the most painful is the realization that whatever's going on with you is cyclical. And it's happened before. And this retrograde wants you to evolve past that. Smoke it if you got it. Um, and move on to the next lesson. But this lesson, it's very necessary. You can start a whole new cycle that you can have with people. And that can be the cycle for however many years to come. But for now, observing this one and pushing yourself forward into a new one is, it's important. It's important. It doesn't matter. If you are thinking, oh, well, does this mean I shouldn't love people unconditionally? No, of course you should. Because essentially it doesn't matter what people do, how much they hurt you or don't hurt you, how much they take from you. They always have to bring it back. And they have to bring it back because the pieces that people take from you, those pieces hurt them. They become like knives in their mouth, like spikes in their blood vessels, like blades in their shoes. Your energy doesn't belong to them. They're allergic to it, like they would be allergic to your blood if it was the wrong blood type. It's always on its way back to you whether as the money they were supposed to get, the dreams they had, their misery, or them walking to you. It's always coming back to you, plus interest for the thievery. It's always coming back. And that's why you have to be so clear on the quality of your give. Your unconditional love should be so impeccable and so giving that when people take and they leave with it, they've got to come back because it's like they're throwing it up. They think they can fuck with it, but they can't hold on to it. When they see it on you, they're like, my God, this is powerful. I'm going to take some of this and run. And then it don't look the same on them. <laughs> you understand me?
and there it is. <coughs> Drink something, please. This retrograde, you will deal with elements of betrayal. They're very subtle. Your perceived betrayal by another can lead you to make huge mistakes and alienate very, very special, important people. Your perceived plots can ruin your future because they can force you to make decisions that are not sound. You're just going off of like a movie plot almost, you know? Be careful to not get too far gone with this. In general, it's easy to fall into an abyss right now because every person that's ever hurt you is going to come up. Everyone that you've hurt is coming out the woodwork. Things are getting claustrophobic in here. Imagine if that was the Nelly song is getting claustrophobic in here so open all the doors i am getting so anxious i want to rip these doors off right no it's getting small in here so open the windows i am getting so panicked i want to jump out the window you know i don't know fuck you <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you if you're looking at me right now like, what the fuck is going on? I've had a very hard couple of days, bro. Like, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but like, people are hurting me, fam. And I'm just trying to fucking mind my fucking business. And it's like starting to like, like, I have now gotten to the point where I don't fucking care. The last time I was like this was when I was in fucking high school. Like, you really have to fucking push me to the point of no return for me to be like, you know what? Fine. Yo, take it. Whatever it is, whatever it is, this game, this friendship, this relationship, whatever the fuck this is, take it. Take it. Keep it. Have fun with it. Fucking go with it till the wheels fucking fall off. Me, I'm out. Good times. This golden carriage, you, this is what you wanted, right? Take it. Whatever, whatever it is, whether it's a guy or friends or colleagues or whatever, here it is. Listen, I'm not going to stand in your way. I'm not going to stand in your way when you bring it back around, say, hey, this wasn't mine. I shouldn't have taken it. I love you. I'm not going to stand in your way then either. I will hand you the keys. I will be the valet. How about that? Here's how much I unconditionally love everybody in my life. I will be the valet. You want to take? I will give you the keys. Take it. I'll be here when you get back. 
when it makes you sick to your stomach that you took it from me and you bring it back. And I'll be here when you hand me the keys again and say, I love you. I'm sorry I did that. No problem. And I will say no problem to you. And you will look me in my face like everybody does and stare at me with that look that says, no, come on, love me for real. And I'm going to look you back in your face, dead in your face. Like I always look back at people and go, no, no. But thanks for bringing it back. Somewhat decent of you. But you want to stand here and keep telling me you love me until I tell you I love you and, and you want me to, you know, you, it's like an obsessive guy. Make me believe it. <laughs> I can't. I can't make anybody believe anything that I don't believe. I can't do any fucking thing that I don't fucking feel. And that's why I'm always just fucking pleading with everybody in my life. Like, please, please. Like, I can't help how I feel, dog. Like, do you know what you're dealing with? Like, do you understand what I'm saying? It's like somebody telling you, like, this is not in my control. Like, I love you, okay? I love you, bro. Calm down. You be fu- you be playing with me respectfully. <laughs> Yo, respectfully though, you be fucking with me. Like, oh, kill that fucking man. Anyway, sorry. I have all kinds of like <laughs> This fucking man's driving me crazy. Anyway, like that's what I get. That's my issue. That's my problem. That's what I get for not following my own fucking uptown rules. If you don't follow essential rules, People get hurt. That's all I know. I don't know nothing, but I know that if you don't follow the the fucking hood rules, people get hurt. Don't let it be you. You know what I mean? Any fucking way. I can't make you believe it. Just like I couldn't stop you from taking it in the first place and I couldn't stop you from bringing it back, I can't, I can't, I can't make myself or anybody else do anything is what I'm trying to tell you. Or like I could, I can make myself do stuff, but I can't make myself feel stuff. And this has always become a point of contention. Like in my house, my mom is so fucking controlling and she was so fucking controlling that she even wanted to control how you feel. You understand what I'm saying to you? She wanted to look in your eye and see that you felt for real, for real the way she wants. Can you imagine the sick level of control that this woman was working off of? Like, and I just can't do it. Like, I think she built it up in me as like a rebellious, like, like, no, no, I'm not going to feel the way you want me to feel. I don't give a fuck. That's not how I fucking feel. This is how I feel. And every time I stand, like, I don't get to stand in my truth a lot because of this codependency thing. I don't get to, like, really plant my feet anywhere very long without somebody being like, I, what about my needs? I, what about my needs? What about me? What about me? What about me? I'm going through a lot. I'm going through a lot. I'm going through a lot. So I just be like giving in or shutting up or or just okay, all good, no problem, you know, you know. But then you want to look me in my eyes 
and be like, no, make me believe that we're still good. And it's like, wow, you want a lot, huh? <laughs> you don't want just a little bit. You you don't you don't want you know what I mean? Like you don't want to just get away with it. You want to make me love it. And I'm starting to think that doing the thing is 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 just part of the kink and the other part of the kink is getting me to be okay with it and like being able to get away with it. You know what I mean? Like, why do we have to insist on being all good? Why do I have to do that? Why, if you've hurt me, do I have to make you feel better about me being hurt? Why is that my responsibility? Am I not allowed to... Breathe and be? Am I not allowed to have feelings? Do I have to just eat the crumbs that fall off the table when everybody else is done and everybody else feels good and full you don't need more than crumbs anyway Umber you never eat you live off this attention, off this fame, off this clout, off this money. You don't need food, love, reciprocity, respect. Respect. You don't need that. We all ate. Some of us, we're not even going to say thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. 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 You thought we'd be here in 2018? You thought back then it could get... So weird. So painful. So confusing, bro. <laughs> so scary. We've reached that hour mark. 
and I'll be right back. Yo, it's your girl, Gina Nark. I am back. Ah, I thought I was going to do the hour and just leave you with the grim. Ha ha. No, let's not do that. Let's do some real vibey shit. Because, uh, you know what I think I'm going to do? You know how I like to, like, have an avatar or some kind of inspiration for what happens next? So Greta Garbo is a snake. And a great, a great love of mine. And the thing I've always liked about her is that she knew what style was not just in clothing but in how to carry oneself how to live how to move where to go where not to go What to wear when you go there. And what to wear to go to the places you're not supposed to go so nobody knows you're not supposed to be there. And when to disappear. I think I've entered my emotional Greta Garbo era. Just call me Gigi. Because I'm not reading the messages. I'm not. I'm telling you, respectfully, I'm not reading them. I'm not listening to the voice notes. My feelings are fucking hurt. And instead of being that person that loses all their friendships... I'm going to let everybody rock. You guys stay. You have the run of the place. Do whatever you like. Take what you want. I'm gonna go. You guys stay. (laughs) Take whatever you want. I'm gonna go into the woods. And think a little bit. And make some visuals. And write some words. Maybe have a few conversations with God. (coughs) Maybe finally flesh out this vision I've had for so long. Something you can really sink your teeth into. The voice of a generation.
I need time, you know? I need space. And maybe it's my fault for having the guillotine just sitting around all the time, but you definitely didn't never had to stick your head in it. But that thing is a machine and I don't have any control over it. If you stick your head in it, it will chop your head off. And now you're a decapitated head talking to me about, I don't know what. And all I see is all the love I gave you, the acceptance. The wisdom, the faith, the words that I shared with you, all pouring out the fucking end of your neck. All I see is all of me draining out of all of you and running back to me. See, I intended for you to keep those pieces of me. But I think that guillotine is magic. And for some reason, if you try to sidewind me, you get all tangled up in it. And it doesn't want much from you. It won't cut your head off for real. It's just going to take back what belongs to me. Smoke it if you got it. It's like the Captain America Thor thing with the hammer. And you know what else I realized? The Greta Garbo era is the Kaiser Soze era. One cannot be betrayed if one has no people. And I think that's been my mistake all along. My dad's always said that. Everybody wants to be your friend and you want to be their friend right back. Because you're an idiot. And you never realize that they're just using you. Now, Kaiser Soze loses all his people, goes underground, nobody ever hears from him again, and he becomes a criminal mastermind. Greta Garbo falls off the map at the height of her career and spends her life being fabulous and out of the public eye. I intend to be the emotional Kaiser Soze. <laughs> I intend on completely dropping off the face of the earth 
because I don't think I can do it anymore. I'm just being really honest. I mean, there's nothing left to do, right? I don't have any more capital to invest because the returns have been dismal. And my business sense has kicked in. And I think the big bucks actually lie, the emotional big bucks, I mean, lie not in wanting to be friends with every single person who wants to be friends with me, but instead in taking all that knowledge, wisdom, energy, that you would pour into said connections and pouring it into something of your own. Your work, your vision, your business, your life, your relationship to God, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with... uh, Anyone meaningful that displays reciprocity in your life. It's only the lack of reciprocity that creates the Greta, the emotional Greta Garbo. And for all of those, for everyone out there listening who feels like There is no reciprocity. And this Venus retrograde has taken you by the neck and shown you every single instance like the fucking ghost of Christmas past. Every instance where you gave and gave and gave. And somebody just took and took and took. And you thought that was a relationship. <laughs> you might enter this phase of life despondent. Yes, Umber, we're here, but I'm not as happy about it as you are. I don't want to be fucking Greta Garbo. I don't like this. Oh, stop whining. It is time to get creative, my dear. What turns you on? What's in there? Somewhere in your brain. What's in there? What do you really like to do? What do you want to do? What do you need time for that you don't have time for? I think it's time to nourish that which is nourishing you because the retrograde is making it too embarrassing to do anything else. I feel like this Venus retrograde is like being wrapped in the lasso of truth at all times. You can't help but say what's in your heart. And the funny thing about saying what's in your heart is that it really takes people aback. Because what I've learned is that a lot of people like to fly right under your radar of things they know that you'll address or not address. 
So Venus retrograde really throws a wrench in everything because people are not reacting like they usually do. You may find a lot of people speaking from the heart who are not actually like equipped to speak from the heart, you know, can get messy. Very messy. I wonder what they did in Barbie to make us feel like this world is better than that fake metaverse because that's what I'm thinking is happening, right? I haven't seen it though. And on the other hand, let's just blow everything up by splitting the atom. It's all very suicidal, if you ask me. The whole Barbenheimer thing, like I find Barbie to be very suicidal, actually. I don't know if anyone said that yet, but like there's such a negation of life to this entire obsession and trend because she's a fucking plastic doll in a fake world. (laughs) There's such a negation of life. Like I've never understood how that's overlooked but it's really obvious to me because none of it is real or could be real and the fact that like grown people are super super obsessed with like uh essentially like okay i get it it's like americana and a phenomenon but like a doll it's it's very unsettling and it's and it is it's a very negating like a negation of life it's, it's like, let's dive into the virtual and all have these like fake formulaic bodies because we can do that in the metaverse and we can just live these. But I'm hoping that Gerwig did something that's like, no, you don't want to be here. You don't want to be, <laughs> that's, you know, this is not what you want. There's something better than this. Um, And on the other hand, Oppenheimer is an open negation of life. <laughs> like <laughs> the quintessential negation of life, the circle of the atom um, destroyed. Yeah. So a lot of like what looks like uh, opposing messages out there and they're really not opposing. They're the exact same message. Actually, they're synergistic messages, you know let's go to nuclear war and then all live in the metaverse yeah okay sure and eat like astronaut baby food you know who cares if you're sleeping in bunk beds post-apocalypto if you can be in the metaverse and look like barbie yeah let's go party right pink you don't see it i see it i peep it listen Maybe it's me. Maybe it's just me. I peeps it. The destroyer of worlds. Ha ha. I can't. uh, Yeah, I have to admit, I've been waiting a very long time to see Oppenheimer. Because he has a tendency to do things in his films that give you not just a twist. Mr. Twist! That's from Rick and Morty. Um, 
but like some point that spins you, that makes you, not just a twist in the plot, but something that makes you think. Something that you leave the theater with and you think, ah, you know, like Interstellar, it's Anne Hathaway being like, love, love is the thing. Love is the thing, (laughs) right? You want to travel like through time, love, it's love. It's the only thing that's, that isn't affected by time because it's the only eternal thing because it's God. Because it's God. When you love, you are engaging in and locked into and plugged into God energy. That's what being one with source means. Hmm. Anyway, now I truly am rambling. Now these are really ramblings. Okay, so in summation, vote for me. No more school lunches. We'll have it catered. I saw this house once when I was driving in L.A., Yo, honestly, this is going to sound crazy, right? But, like, that house hurt my feelings. (laughs) That house hurt my feelings. It wasn't like the house was huge. It was. But it wasn't that the house was huge. It wasn't that it was, like, obviously, obviously very expensive. Because there were a lot of houses in that neighborhood that were like that. It wasn't that. It looked like it had like, it looked like it was from like a sitcom. It looked like a TV family lived there. It looked like the kid who lived there was a football player and the girl who lived there was a cheerleader. And there were two like, dope ass SUVs parked outside. It just it just looked like the perfect home and the perfect life. Yeah. And even now sometimes I think about that house. When I saw it, the first thing I said was, Whoa. Can you believe people actually live there? Cause like a kid from New York, like that, like what the fuck? What do you mean somebody lives there? <laughs> and I realized that I think I still think about that because it was an involuntary limit declaration. I didn't know that about myself. I didn't realize that I had that ceiling That's what I mean. It wasn't the size of the house. I can imagine living in a really big house. I I wouldn't want to, but I can imagine it. I can see myself in it. You know, it's not a stretch for my... My settings allow for it, I guess is what I should say. It wasn't that. That wasn't the setting that it triggered. It was how wholesome the house looked. It belonged to a family. You know? 
It was a family house. It didn't belong to like a digital nomad who Yeah. It looked so peaceful, settled. And I didn't look at it and think, wow, I wish I lived there. Because I genuinely love what I do and how I am right here, right now. I thought, curiously, I thought, wow, I wish I had grown up there. And that seemed to me a mark of good health. I, I, I didn't want to change lives. I didn't negate my present. I love where I am, alhamdulillah. I just wished I had grown up there. (laughs) Yeah. There is some Venus retrograde truth in there somewhere. And I think what it is, is that we are seeing things that we could have been. (laughs) We're seeing what could have been if things were different, but then Venus slaps you and says, but they're not because of this and this reality and this and this like this and this. And also, and I feel it coming, and I'm sure you do too. All the familiar, painful, painful ones come back. Makes you want to sleep. They want to talk. They want to apologize. And if you're going through all this and you're on the other side and you feel like you fucked up with somebody and you want to apologize and you want to make it right, and let me just say this. And I can say this for everyone out there that seems like I'm beefing with them. First of all, I'm not beefing with you. Everything's fine. I'm just... not capable anymore of being the emotional automaton that my parents raised me to be. I can no longer yeah pretend things. So there is no beef. Everything is good.
I'm just adjusting to truly not giving a fuck about what anyone has to say either way. My ears and are turned off. <laughs> I don't seem to see much either. It's emotional cocooning. And I need it. And it would be good not to upset. It would be good to not expect um, that cocoon to, to open anytime soon. Make your cocoons, people. Stay safe out here. It's a fucking jungle. <laughs> I love you. And now I really do have to make that Sagittarius extended so I can make the Leo August. It's your girl, DJ Nark.